This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Today we have a crazy nuclear revenge against a creepy teacher. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, showing the queen bee. On the third day of April 2003... I experienced for the first time what hate was. I felt what it was like to deeply and truly despise someone so much that you would do anything to see them fall. On the third day of April 2003, I lost my chance at a good life. I lost a chance at a happy life. So I promised to spend the rest of my miserable life making the people who ruined my life pay. For context, I'd been an A-plus student through middle school up until my final year of high school. My parents had been poor, but they had done everything to make sure I could make it through school and have a better life than they ever did. My father was a kind man, and my mother, though strict, was a woman who cared deeply. My father had owned a small but stable auto shop, while my mother worked for a cleaning service. I was the only girl child of three. My older brother hated school and wanted to learn how to fix computers. He had wanted to become the next Bill Gates. He was a genius with computers, but he lacked the proper education to get into all the spaces that would have gotten him into all the best places. My younger brother was always sick. We all feared that one day we would wake up and he wouldn't wake with us. A lot of the money my parents and older brother made went into keeping him alive. I was the beacon of hope in a family tired of darkness. I would have been the one to make it in the world and helped everyone bring their peace and opportunities, and I was okay with that. But as they say... Man makes plans and God laughs. I stopped believing in God from the first day I met Charlotte. She wasn't the queen bee in the traditional sense. She was more of a certain German leader reincarnated. She had everyone under her thumb, from the students to the teachers and even the janitors. She became a god in her own right. And much like God, she enjoyed playing with the lives of her subjects. I had managed to stay out of her radar for most of high school, but there's only so much luck you can have. It didn't begin with name-calling or little pranks to embarrass me in front of the whole school. No, it was much, much worse than that. Charlotte had bribed my AP chemistry teacher to make sure I failed all her classes and threatened her with her son's chances at university. This was where it began. Then came the physical assaults, then the rumors. Through it all, I ignored her and continued to work my hardest to pass and get into a good college. I guess ignoring her was the wrong move because the next few things that happened could only be described as the work of the devil. One day, my father got a call from the local police that his auto shop had been burnt to the ground. My mother was framed for stealing jewelry from a client's house while she had been on a cleaning job. Both my parents lost their means of a livelihood and had fallen into debt. My older brother had resorted to more illegal means to be able to take care of the family. While my parents got their feet back under them, he was killed in a shootout between two rival gangs that he had nothing to do with. He had hated gangs. My little brother slowly wasted away because no one had the money to pay for his treatment. I had gotten a job as a waiter at a restaurant, but had to be fired due to being constantly harassed by Charlotte and her friends. They had made it their mission to create chaos anywhere I went to work until I had to be fired. They couldn't be banned from those places. My mother died shortly after my little brother from pneumonia. 
because we couldn't get the heater fixed. On the third day of April 2003, my mother was buried by the town and I was told, quite frankly by the sheriff, that all of this could be traced back to Charlotte, but that nothing could be done about it because her family practically owned the town. Twenty years later, I had stood in front of the white mansion that Charlotte lived in, a plan created over twenty years in mind and the burn of revenge in my soul. I had not expected anyone to remember Emily from high school, the girl whose life they had so thoroughly ruined it was nothing short of a miracle that she stood here in a red velvet gown, necklace on loan from a jewelry museum. How this was possible for someone who had little to nothing to her name was not the problem. See, the best thing that had happened to me were the friends I made down this path of revenge. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but I really couldn't have gotten that far without the people who saw me and chose to stand beside me despite knowing what I had planned. I had met my best friend in college. I had been working as a janitor in the college library when Ezra had walked in one day, stressed and confused about the project his lecturer had assigned specifically to him because he had been lagging behind on that course. Had he not mumbled the whole time about the work he had to get done, had I not listened and understood what he'd been struggling with, I would have never have walked to him to ask if I could help. He had not looked at me with anything other than hope, had not asked who I was or how I, a janitor, understood accounting so well. He had let me show him how to work around the problems. Then, two days after he'd submitted his project and been commended by his lecturer, he had sought me out and offered to have dinner with him. I had come looking like someone who needed some serious makeover, and he had come looking like someone who needed to be brought down to earth. It was that evening that he proposed that I become his tutor and he would help me get a better job at the university, something where I could make more money and take better care of myself. He never once offered me handouts, never once looked down on me. Then one day, he had invited me for a party. He said there was someone he wanted me to meet. Simi could only be described as one of the most beautiful women to walk this earth. She had the air of someone who genuinely just wanted to have fun with the people she cared about. So it came as no surprise to me that it was in fact her party that we were at. She was so excited to meet me, claiming that Ezra had told her so much about me. She introduced me to many other people, many of which did not care where I'd come from, and only ever talked to me about where I could go. One day, I received a letter from the university offering to have me enroll part-time in one of their courses. I, at first, didn't believe it, so I never got back to them. It wasn't until the school official had come to seek me out and informed me that I'd been given the opportunity, based on a recommendation from one of their sponsors, that I almost broke down and cried. It still didn't make sense that I'd been enrolled to a university like that, given I had a flimsy high school certificate. Though I was made to sit for an SAT exam before I was let into the right program, my scores apparently impressed the school board enough that I was waitlisted for a full-time scholarship and would be enrolled fully if I did well in my first year of night school. Needless to say, one year later, I had sat in the same class as Simi, and we had giggled with each other excitedly. These people gave me so much after I'd lost everything. They still stood with me as I'd taken the very dangerous steps towards seeing my revenge through. To say it was difficult to bring several multi-million dollar companies to their knees would have been an understatement, but everyone has secrets, and I learned that the bigger the institution, the nastier the secrets. I had started from one of Charlotte's lackeys. Joseph had been a C student in high school on his best days, but his father had been the football team's sponsor since he himself had graduated from that school. 
Now, though, Joseph was the CEO of a major tech company that dealt in computer software engineering by day and illegal hacking and degradation of competitors' products by night. Many have said competitors who had stood in that same event hall with him, believing they were friends. Monica had been a straight-A student, probably the only one of the friend group who actually had any working brain cells, outside plotting to destroy people for no other reason than finding it funny, but a smart bad person is still a bad person. It was nice to know that she hadn't changed much from the girl who would put laxative in the cafeteria food, or pay for all the non-laxative cafeteria food, so the kids who only got their daily meal through school didn't have anything to eat. She was now the owner of a high-class restaurant who paid her workers crumbs and made her establishment so classy, even the rich had to work to be richer to eat at it. Seeing as it was also a money-laundering front, it made sense that she didn't need that many customers anyway. It was a little fun experience, seeing her many amongst a crowd of people she had scammed of money that they didn't even know about. Then there was Charlotte. Darling Charlotte. The current owner of a line of fashion business that owns sweatshops in almost every third world country around the world. Her downfall lay mostly in her ceaseless campaign against slave labor in the fashion business, going so far as to expose many of her competitors for doing things she herself had done worse of. And they were all there, in a room full of journalists and major business leaders from everywhere around the world. What a night that had been. After Ezra made his introductory speech, Simi's boyfriend sent the files containing all the information of the secrets of Charlotte, Monica, and Joseph's businesses to the contacts of everyone present at the event. Of course, the journalists saw them first. So when Joseph climbed up to make his speech and was bombarded by questions concerning his dealings in illegal hacking and business sabotage, I took the first sip of the wine that I'd been holding. Let the games begin. By the end of the event, Every sponsor, investor, and associate of these people had withdrawn from their businesses, threatening to take legal action unless their money is refunded. The drive home is quiet. Ezra doesn't say a word, a small smile on his lips. What next? The question had jarred me out of my thoughts. I don't think I'd honestly thought that far ahead before. Revenge had been the main theme of my life so far. Life after had always been a void in my head. But now, I look at the man who had done everything to see me to the end, and think of all the beautiful things we could do together. The answer to the question in your head is yes, Ezra. Yes, I finally say. Let's go home. I mean, when you're repeatedly kicked down through your life, and there's this one common enemy throughout the whole thing, whether or not they're actually the ones causing it, you can understand why this would sit on OP's psyche for so long. I'm just surprised that somebody who's willing to help OP bounce back and recover is also, or was, willing to look so into the revenge side of things as well. Like, you could argue that OP had such a good thing going for them once they bounced back and they were focusing on college. I mean, who knows, this whole thing could have gone absolutely pear-shaped if they tried to focus on that revenge. It worked out, but it seemed pretty unnecessary. That said, our next story is, How I Maimed the Creepy Teacher. If you've ever been to a boarding school, you've probably heard at least one tale of a creepy teacher or housemaster who used to be a menace to all the boarding students, or maybe you've even experienced one yourself. I'm not talking about the ones who were always big on strictly enforcing the school routines or regulations by the book. No, I'm talking about those ones that became fabled for what they did around it. Those that got creative when dealing with students. 
so creative that their influence on students was almost psychological. Some of them were terrifying to adolescent kid standards, and some were just creepy, mostly to every standard, so avoiding them after breaking school rules was always an adventure. Every boarding school, at least the ones I've heard tales from, had at least one of those people. Most times they were part of the teaching staff of the school, but on some rare occasions, their only role was to handle the boarding students. My school was no different, as we basically had a slew of characters to pick from. Most of the staff that handled boarding students were absolutely menaces to us back then. We had our guidance counselors, who were supposed to be giving us some advice and helping out personally, but decided to be menaces instead. We had the various housemasters, who I thought were the only ones that should have been able to handle the boarding students. And we had the resident staff, who decided to live on campus just to take a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Terrorize students. Once again, I must state that they mostly weren't as terrible as you might think. I am merely reminiscing this through my adolescent boy eyes. This isn't to say I wouldn't view them the same way today in a similar situation, however. Back to the story, even though we had a lot of characters we loved to dread, we could generally get along with many of them on a good day as they tended to be more lenient when working alone and only acted out in the face of higher authority, you know, eye service. However, there were some who stood out for sinister behaviors like our chief security officer who was popular for enforcing lights out every night using every means possible. You dare not get caught by him loitering outside the hostels past 10pm as he had a little cell phone called the guard room, which he was legally allowed to make you sleep in. He was also like the FBI chief of the school, as he was the main staff in charge of finding and arresting people who had broken the school rules. So a lot of us boys usually tried our best to avoid clashing with him, as he was merciless in dishing out punishment. We also had one of our guidance counselors who had a hearing defect, and so was always punish first, listen later. He also doubled as my housemaster, so I had a few clashes with him, at least more than the average. The fact that he couldn't hear properly probably played a big role in why he was so menacing, as he usually chose to succumb to his impulses before assessing the situation whenever trouble arose. Some guidance counselor, huh? There were a lot of staff who had the ability to cause us one form of discomfort or the other, but none could reach the levels of our woodwork teacher. The man, the myth, the legend himself, fabled for his history of terrorism in the school with numerous tales. A man of many unique talents. You might wonder why I've decided to praise a man who I'm about to dissect as the most terrifying for us students at the time, but this was basically how it was amongst the students when I was at school because he was such a polarizing character. 
On one hand, he was the funniest teacher in the school and one of the best at his teaching job. And on the other hand, he was a boogeyman for the students and especially the boarding students. He was someone who made you laugh as long as he wasn't coming after you. And he was also someone who could make you cry, even without any initial intentions of coming after you. During the school day, the only people who got to experience this polarity regularly were his woodwork students. But once the school day was over, the rest of the boarding students got to experience it as well. He was known to basically appear from thin air because of how sneaky he was. So he usually showed up when you least expected him to, and he had no limits to where he could show up. He could show up in your class during night study hours, he could show up suddenly during dinner, and most importantly, he could show up in the hostels at midnight, long after the lights had gone out. The latter is why he's so fabled, as he was able to sneak into the hostels through the windows, and then tiptoe or crawl so he didn't get spotted and once he got to his destination, usually anywhere he heard noises from, he would bring out his really bright torchlight and shine it on the faces of unsuspecting students and begin to chase or corner them. Whenever he caught them, he would give them two options of punishment, a few strokes of his cane or a different punishment. One was short and sharply painful, while the other took longer and required endurance. So most of us usually went with being caned. Not ideal, but much better than planking for a minute and a half. I won't say I was always a law-abiding student, but generally I broke very few school rules, and even though that in itself wasn't able to exempt me from experiencing punishment from overzealous teachers, it was still able to get me out of the wrath of someone like our chief security officer, for instance, and I was able to avoid non-general punishments for the most part. I wasn't in woodwork class either, so the only person I came across with daily was my guidance counselor, housemaster. And even he didn't seem to have my time most of the time, so it was usually all good for me. Until one fateful night. I had missed dinner that night. So after lights out, I got really hungry and went on a search for anything I could get within the hostel. I went from bed to bed before I finally found someone who had some cereal. Cereals and snacks were allowed into the hostel. He was one of my classmates, so I got comfortable and we started to talk about our day as we shared the cereal. Then all of a sudden... There was a pretty bright flash of light, which almost blinded me, and the next thing I knew, someone was dragging me by the shirt. At this point, I was still stunned by the light, so I didn't know who it was, but it was pretty easy to get a hold of me, and they also got a hold of my friend as if they had a third arm. It turned out to be the woodwork teacher, who then pulled us out to the hallway and didn't even ask us to pick a punishment before he started to whip us with his cane. He went berserk, almost as if he wanted to create a spectacle for some reason, and added a few extra punishments while not even sparing my cereal. He ate the entire thing. I was in pain. I was gassed, but most importantly, I had to remain hungry till daybreak because he literally watched over us for over an hour after letting us go to make sure we didn't reconvene. I absolutely had to get back at him for that. Getting back at staff or student who unjustly did you wrong was commonplace in my school, and people were always willing to help out if you had proper revenge plans because it was a way to test out your creativity and also a way to enter into the history books, if the plan was grand enough. Just like any student, I also wanted to be remembered by future students for something I did, so I had to think big. The plan definitely had to be carried out discreetly, so it had to be done on one of those nights when he would sneak into the hostels. 
I put a couple of my friends onto the plan, and they got more people involved until they eventually decided to join in and make it a spectacle. The plan was to bait him and then corner him until we could restrain him and simply get creative with whatever happened afterwards. This was fair game as it was barely legal for him to be doing all of that midnight sneaking in the first place, and so we patiently waited for our chance. We narrowed the days to prepare against his sneaking in antics to days where he was on hostel duty. We had to source this info as part of the plan. So each time he was on house duty, we always tried to bait him by making so much noise, but staying on our beds and properly observing the windows and hallways so that whenever he checks, he wouldn't be able to know where the noise had come from. The plan was simply to corner him once he was in the middle of the room and then restrain him. However, we weren't so lucky the first time because we didn't properly account for his torchlight. After successfully baiting him, he came to our hostel doors to look and then brought out two flashlights so he was able to see a couple of us who were in on it flinch and made an example out of them. We had to re-strategize and decided that we would need a torchlight of our own to affect his own vision, and this decision turned out to be a master stroke, because after nights of patiently waiting, we would finally have our victory. That night started just like any other. It was his house duty day and after night study. Me and my roommates converged and went over the plan once again, then brought out all the flashlights we could find around the hostel and went to our beds. Once it began to approach midnight, we began to make some noises as usual, but we had breaks of silence in between so we could hear any possible footsteps or see any moving silhouettes. After about 30 minutes of noise making, we heard someone scream, He's coming through the window! Windows weren't in the plan, but since we all felt ready for war, the plan went on as intended. We all shined our flashlights towards him and he was obviously dazed. Then two of the boys went straight for his legs so they could stop him from moving forward. And before you could say Jack Robinson, the rest of us were all over him and we tried to do this as quietly as possible. We continued to flash the lights in his face as we restrained him to make it difficult for him to properly see any of our faces. And after a few minutes of struggling, we were finally able to tie him down, and it was time to decide what to do next. I remembered that night when I was basically assaulted and thought about how I would create history by making him unable to sneak into the hostel anymore. So I let my intrusive thoughts win. My mind was like, from the window he came, and out the window he shall go. So I made sure he was properly tied up and got some of the boys to help me carry him to the balcony that led to the window he'd snuck in from. When we eventually got there, I told them to leave him with me, but to leave their flashlights on so he couldn't see. Then I told them not to forget what I was about to do, and then I pushed him down the balcony. Our hostel was in the first story of the building, but the ground floor was pretty high. So being unable to control himself while falling, He landed on his legs, which made his left leg almost snap in two. He screamed in pain so loudly that I began to fear that unwanted attention would be drawn to us, even though part of me was relieved that he hadn't landed on his neck, even though it was almost impossible from that height. After a few minutes, a couple of security officers who had heard the wailing came to his aid, and I don't know what he told them, but they never came upstairs to question us so I imagined he was waiting to report us to higher authorities the next day. We all went back to sleep with an evil sense of satisfaction, but we were obviously anxious to see what the next day would bring. 
The next day came and news had spread about what had happened to our woodwork teacher, but no one was saying anything about the culprits. So we began to wonder if his situation got so bad that he wasn't able to say what happened, or if he was playing the long game and waiting to drop the dagger when he returned. For now though, we were free and went on about our lives, and for a few days there, there were no staff trying to bother boarding students, which felt really good. It was later announced that he had simply fallen while illegally climbing through the balconies, but that he would not be facing any further actions due to his condition. It was a nice touch of empathy from the principal, but most importantly, it also meant that he hadn't told on us, so we had successfully escaped a possible suspension or even expulsion. A further month passed and we still wouldn't be able to see our woodwork teacher, and most people even seemed to have moved on from the incident, until the day we finally saw him at school. He now used a walking stick, but could also walk, but only with a permanent limp. He was a strong man, and even though he was free to miss the rest of the term, he decided to show his strength by turning up unannounced. While you might think he was going to be harmless in this condition, no version of him scared me quite like this one. I might have successfully maimed him, but a part of me felt like he had unfinished business with me, and this show of resilience heightened any fears I might have previously had. Our story was probably only just beginning. So is OP really just going to leave it there? Are they going to have like a follow-up post about the creepy teacher who limps around? Or maybe it was one of those situations where OP feels like, yo, it just has to be just beginning. But from that point forward, they probably learned their lesson about creeping into those windows and trying to chase students and beat them up. My money would be on it probably ended there short of anything that they can do when somebody's just in their normal, regular presence. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.